0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily podcast and webcast. I'm Ben Levison, Deputy Editor at Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to dig into some of the biggest debates going on right now about the stock market. And please welcome my guest, Mark DeCambri, Markets Editor at MarketWatch. Nice to see you, Mark.
1: Hey, Ben. It's great to be here.
0: So, Mark, we're going to discuss some of the biggest topics on Wall Street, inflation, valuations, and of course, that dreaded word, bubble. But first, can you catch us up on what's happening with the stock market right now?
1: Yeah, so, you know, probably worth noting, Barron's had a great piece on small caps um, that I enjoyed reading and, and, and gives some good indication of where they're headed and the return for uh, for return of the mall is also a good piece, um, which I think offers some great insights about what could be viewed as the bullish take on the economic recovery. Um, but, like, speaking of small caps, Uh, We ended the week down about 1%, um, uh, but I think small caps have outperformed the broader market so far in in November. We're up 5%. um, And and in some ways, that makes sense, right? Um, This is the seasonally strong period for stocks broadly, and small caps have lagged uh, in the year to date. So they're starting to get a little bit of of a pickup, uh, perhaps, off of that. Um, I think small caps are up 22% year to date. Uh, which is 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 more or less underperforming the broader uh, market. The S and P is up 25 percent. Nasdaq is up 23 percent. Um, the only thing that's that's really lagging worse than the S and P is the Dow, which is only up 18 percent. Um, you, you know, maybe we should touch on that at some point, but that's that's largely due to Disney, um, which is which is a, a sort of another fascinating story. But so the um, the, the Dow and, and and I think the S and P traded uh, lower on Friday but the Nasdaq was up pretty pretty firmly up 1% um so we had a nice close out and, and if we look again at the month to date um i think that the Dow is up 0.8% in November the S&P is up around 1.8% 1.7% um, sort of month to date and and the Nasdaq composite is is up uh well over 2% and,
0: and none of that all,
1: all, all of as of Friday's close and there's not there's not much of, of a big change uh, today to to really um, change alter that those numbers. Right, it's it's
0: a, it's a pretty quiet market today, um, but I'm I'm still feeling pretty good. You know, I look at those numbers. I'm feeling great about this. We're in the seasonal period. You know, I see more gains going through the end of the year, and I'm guessing you feel the same way.
1: Well, you'd be guessing wrong <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I'm feeling uh, you know quite a bit uncomfortable. Um, and maybe I'm listening to, to a lot of the bearish calls out there. Um, not, 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 not easy sleep. You know, a little bit of sleepless nights going on. But if you, you look at all the problems out there, it's it's a pretty long list. And I, I know you may, you know, refer to it as sort of a wall of worry. But it's like you got inflate. You know, you got inflation, which is of course the uh, the big um, elephant in the room. Uh, valuations earnings speculation kind of the speculative fervor that's that's caught the market up um concerns about what the fed's up to um, the possibility that you know just you know just by by virtue of stats we should be correcting at some point um and you know also in line with the inflation story uh, is, is energy prices and we're, and we're looking at what some what, what some meteorologists are talking about a, a you know a cold snap that could can further ratchet up energy prices so that's concerning yeah i
0: mean that's that's quite a list mark and you know as, as you point out call it a, a wall of worry so i want to run through these one by one and let's discuss how big uh you know how big these issues really are um i'd like to start with valuations there um can you tell me how expensive this market is because i know it's uh pretty much i think back to dot-com levels
1: yeah, you know, I think some of the common ways, some of the common valuation metrics folks are using, Schiller PEs, um, Ford earnings multiples, even willshire total market cap versus you know the US GDP, all of those metrics are indicating that we're, we're really, uh, you know, highly valued and, and, and you know in some ways overvalued, um, and, and that's probably the most concerning thing. Uh, when you think about forward returns, because um, a lot of analysts, analysts are out there saying, well, you know, you know the, the boil's got to come off at some point because the performance, you know, you, you can't continue to have a, a constant march higher um, with, with, the, with, with valuations the way they are. It just isn't justified, and that's, that's a big concern for, for, for me as I look at it, a lot of this uh, performance.
0: So you know I was I lived through the dot com bubble I was actually trading through the dot com bubble so I'm not going to dismiss these valuations they are high but then I look at the gains that we've had this year and they're pretty much in line with S&P 500 earnings um, and I mean I was looking at a stat this this morning that if you look at how much uh, the uh, the stock market was up in the third quarter I believe it was it was something like market was up 9% and third quarter earnings uh, beat by 10%. So Again, the market seems to be responding to the earnings, um, even though it is very expensive. So can't, you know, I, I look at that and I, can, I take a little comfort from those earning numbers. Um, what are you seeing there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what a lot of strategists are saying. Um, you know, earnings, really third quarter earnings have have, have really helped to, uh, to to prop up this market. Um, they're strong. The, the question is. Um, will they remain strong as we go into uh, Q4? As we go into 2022, um, those are the bigger questions. Um, and I, I think you know you've got Deutsche Bank's Binky Chadia, um, who's saying that you know his, so his research showing that you you had the surprisingly rapid rebound in other cases, other periods during the market, really based on earnings, um, and, and and that's been sort of a, a good explanation, which was which was your point. And that you know, you can, it, with extreme valuations you can justify it as long as you've had you know really strong um you know performance on on, on profits and revenues. But you know, if, if we look at um if we look at the, the, the outlook for for you know the coming quarters, there's there's big questions about whether or not that can be sustained um for, for this market. Um and I think you know you were saying that the pace of earnings beats and upgrades, you know, could key driver of equity upside is, is is set to slow, which logically seems appropriate, especially given some of the earnings beats um, that that we've seen uh, you know, this quarter and, and previous quarters.
0: Um, so how much does the Fed have to say about all this? Because um, when when I when I step back, you know, I hear all everyone talking about the Fed's easy money um, pushing the market up. And that's how it's also helping these companies have these great earnings. You know, where do you see the Fed? What's its role in this market right now?
1: Well, I mean, we all know the, the Fed's job is, you know, um, stable employment and, and, and price stability, and that's what they're focused on. Um, and, and when this pandemic hit, they had to do a lot of, uh, you know, outsized moves, uh, unprecedented moves to really stabilize the, this, this economy. Um, and, and, and lowering interest rates to, to, you know, at or near zero levels, um, which, by the way, we, we've been for, you know, since the financial crisis, we've, we've been at these ridiculously historical low levels. Um, so the fear is that we're going to continue to have this bubblicious market that's really supported by super friendly policies. And the punch ball is, is a hard thing to pull away um and, and that's what a lot of the bears have been talking about uh when they look at this market they say the fed has done a, a, you know yeoman's Yell, work to really uh keep things afloat and again it's it's you know you know you, you talk to powell it's not about the markets it's really about the, the health of the economy um but one of the byproducts of that is is that you, you you've got a system that it's really inflating
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things when I I look at this, I think back to the global financial crisis um, and how I wish we had this kind of action back then. I mean, that was with with a financial crisis, you get something, um, you know, you you have just always, you have a slower response and the kind of uh, monetary support that got, it took a long time to get that going. The kind of fiscal support that was kicked in back then. Also took a long time to get going, and probably wasn't as strong as it needed to be. And I try to imagine what it would have looked like back then if everybody had gotten you know a check in the mail um, when everything around them was imploding. But I look at this this one, and I think I agree, this this recovery has been incredibly fast. Um, and I wonder how much faster it can go.
1: I think that's part of the question too, right? And in this crisis, I mean that's you know uh, Powell, uh, you know. Uh, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell is, is, is perhaps under some heat, you know, some questions whether Lale Brainerd will take over from him, whether or not he's, um, you know, he merits another, another term. But I think, you know, even some of uh, the opponents of Powell have to admit that the, the speed at which the Fed came in to, uh, to really address this crisis, this public health crisis, was, was exactly what was needed. Um, and, and really, in a, in a, in a scenario in which we hadn't seen before, it's been a, over a hundred years since we had, we've had a pandemic of this uh, of this caliber. And and you know, you needed to get things back in order, so you really throw the kitchen sink at things. The question is now: um, Have we moved quickly enough? Are we already behind the eight ball in raising interest rates? Um, is inflation? which the fed was having a real tough time getting to two percent um annualized and you know, now we're at 6.2 percent some say headed to seven percent um you know that that's that's part of the uncertainty factor where yeah. is inflation headed um are we at a peak is, are things going to get you know uh, a little bit dicier out there and, and 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 as they do will we see uh will, will we see them recede to a level that makes makes sense or, or is this going to be sticky
0: yeah i mean i was uh um, on the baron's roundtable tv show uh this past weekend and we had mark Zandi on the, on the show and he he came on and he basically said that he, he sees inflation not being a problem by the end of the year that uh that these kind of things are going to go away that it's all um covid related and things like that um and i know he's not the only one out there i yeah, think he, i'm he, probably
1: yeah, he's not the only one out there. You, you had um, Janet Yellen also over the weekend say that 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 she expected um, inflation to start to to start to recede by by the mid 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 next year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he also saw Morgan Stanley um, come out with its uh, you know a recent report um, that that also had a, had a similar projection, uh, but the you know. Maybe you know what I'm going to say here. We just don't know. I I know these are these these guys are all smarter than I I am, but um, you know the the real uncertainty factor is um, you know whether or not they're right. You know we we had a Fed that was saying that this was going to be transitory, you know for for weeks now, but that transitory it's the definition of transitory has shifted faster than than um, than, you know the, the, the the actual pace of inflation. Um, which it seems seems to have ratcheted higher. So is there a possibility that they could be wrong? That, that, that's what I think you know um, some some bears may be focused on. Yeah, and, and I know
0: I mean just in real life, you know you go wherever you go, prices are going up. Um, it's probably too much information, but uh, you know I like to get uh, there's a, a woman who sells uh, tamales um, in my neighborhood. Um, on Sundays, and uh, she just raised the price of those tamales fifty cents, um, which it's not a big deal. And then looking at the price of uh, of the inputs that that go into there, you know the uh, commodity prices going up for things like corn and whatnot, it makes total sense. Um, but everything is doing that. my uh, my dry cleaner had to uh, raise prices for cleaning shirts and and whatnot. Um, and so it is. it's it's a big deal that uh, you know we are seeing this everywhere we go.
1: Yeah, we just don't know how long this lasts and what mm. the ultimate impact will be. But like you said, input costs are increasing. And, you know, a, a lot of producers of goods and services have to to, to raise their prices uh, commensurately. Um, that's just basic economics. Uh, but we're at a time, and, and I hate to harp on the same thing, but we're at a time where we haven't seen inflation in the way that, that it, it's currently playing out. Um, and, you know, you got to bet, like, you know, that Zandy and, and, and Yellen are right. But, you know, I guess my point is we've been wrong-ish on the way up here. And there could be some, some, some real, uh, you know, there could be reasons to, to believe that things will be uh, a little bit uh, more problematic for folks, for, for average consumers. I mean, I, you know, uh, there's a lot that's been made about the savings rate um, is, is helping to bolster um, consumers right now, though, though we saw consumer sentiment pretty sour um, just this Friday um, from the University of Michigan. Uh, but you know, I, I, gotta, there could be a time where consumers start to really feel the pain and the pain of this, and we're already start to see some evidence of that um, in, in recent reports
0: and what blows me away about this although mark is that you know we've been hearing about inflation we've been hearing that you know the the fed's saying transitory we've been hearing critics saying no it's not transitory it looks like the critics are right and but if you told me all this a year ago i never would have thought that the market could be up this much the s p 500 would be up 20 percent um or more and the 10-year yield would be below two percent i mean to me, this looks like the, the market is saying, hey, we, we got this. It's not a big deal right now.
1: I mean, that's one read. But the other read is welcome to Tina. I mean, <laughs> there aren't that many alternatives, um, which is kind of what the, the, the term means. There is no alternative. And investors are, are, are hunting for yield. You know, you, you had a bunch of you know strategists who were like, oh, look, we're going to see 2% any day now, any day now. 2020, 2021. We've got, we've got, we've yet to see uh, 2% on the 10-year. I assume eventually it'll get there, but you know, it, we're we're in a market where we're seeing a lot of abnormalities. Um, and some of that is is the Fed. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of it is uh, so, some of it as well is, is other central bankers who are also buying up, uh, you know, bonds because they're finding uh, few opportunities, few options, uh, few few areas where they can get the, the sorts of yields that you get in the u.s so you know that that's part of the whole cycle that's why we're here now
0: and, and one of the things that they're getting when they buy the uh, uh buy a treasury bond now too is that the the u.s dollar is strong i was uh, looking at it uh i think yeah. last week and this morning and it's it, it's at a 16 month high and this was the year i don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year everyone was saying how dead the dollar was um that, that was such a consensus call. And instead, the dollar has done nothing but uh, go up for most of the year. Um, and so, yeah, if you're if you're an investor and you, you know, you're know you getting yield, plus you've gotten, uh, I think, six percent um, increase just on the currency. That's actually not a bad reason to buy bonds.
1: And that's that's also and, and that's a great point, too, by the way. And, and that's why bonds are being bought. Um, but I would you know, I would say one of the things you just mentioned is is. Arguably, one of the other bearish factors when the dollar popped up when the pandemic started to really uh, take hold um, of the market back in 2020, um, early 2020, and we're starting to see the the dollar perk up again. You know, it it, 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 it you know leads some to believe that maybe uh, folks are jumping into the dollar because they're concerned about um, you know the glo- global economic prosperity um, that. You know, I would say again that's a Tina trade. That's not to suggest that oh, you know, the the equity market is going to be riding high off of that. That's going to create some headwinds, um, just as yields moving higher um, in the market um, create headwinds for for growthy stocks. That that that's that could be a problem for equities too. So that, that's another you know wall you know brick in the wall of worry. So
0: another thing that seemed to be getting a lot of attention, I'm not sure it is so much anymore, but you still see this word. It's the S word stagflation. Um, I'll be honest. We hear people talking about it and I don't get it. Um, 70s was an oil embargo. You know, now it's COVID. They're very different things. Um, you know, oil back then was so important. You see people stuck in line, getting gas and productivity, you know, would just would crater. And it seems like a very Different world, and especially because growth right now is supposed to be much stronger in the fourth quarter than it was in the third quarter. So I look at this deflation debate and I say, I- I'm really not there yet. I'm not going to worry about this. What do you make of that argument,
1: though? I, I I would think you're 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 right at this juncture, particularly as stagflation also implies some some real weakness in the labor market, and um, we have cracks in the labor market for sure. Um, but those cracks are not the kinds of cracks that you see from from a, a labor market that is, you know, hurting in the ways that you would see in stagflation. We've got people that are leaving their jobs because they think they have other opportunities, better opportunities elsewhere, um, and and wages are starting to, to to pop, starting to they have popped up. Um, so the, the the issue there is that um, you know to to what extent we've talked about that in terms of input costs, what, what extent can Um, Can companies uh, pass that on to 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 their you know shareholders or to their end users? Um, So that that's 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 the the issue. And then you know um, having a a quits rate, you know, I think the JOLTS were showing four million. um, You know that that's you know that that's problematic for restart or reopening of an economy economy that's been stricken by COVID. Um, So that's where the real problem is. Um, You know, could that you know mount into something else more something more problematic is is uh you know because some of these labor shortages have also cut down a uh, company's ability to produce goods uh, and provide services so so the, so, the, so that's how the imp- economic implications of, of, of that um you know uh, filter off off into in, in, into our markets but you know we're, I I think we'll see how the labor market continues to play out but you know that, that's one of the issues um that I think people, uh, aren't paying enough t- attention to.
0: And so, yeah, I mean, with the job market, I know it just seems like everywhere you go, every restaurant, uh, is still trying to hire. Um, I, I know that, uh, you know, you look at everywhere. It seems like it's the, it's the best time to be looking, uh, for a job, but I want to change gears a little bit here. Um, you mentioned Mike Wilson earlier, he was, uh, one of the people and he, he admitted that he was wrong. One of the people calling for a 10% correction in the market this year. Um, one that we never got. Um, what do you make of this that, uh, that we haven't even had a correction yet?
1: Right, right. I think I mentioned Mike Wilson to you offline, but yeah, that, you know, Mike has been calling for a, a, and and his team have been calling for a, a correction for, for some time. I think they still hold to that. Um, and I think there's, there's, you know, good reason to think that that's, you know, another one of the near term bearish factors that, you know, we, we, we'd expect to see a flush out. Um, especially given the way the market has gone, um, and 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 you know where valuations are, you'd expect to see things reset. Um, you know, corrections can lead to, to to more damaging reversals for sure. But you know, even a healthy correction, we had like a five percent, you know, barely a five percent blip um, back in, in in October or so, it's right. um, September October, and, and and things have started to revert back to to all-time highs, um, you know, it, it, it would seem that <laughs> that's probably not exactly the correction you'd want. And not, Right now, I get it, right? You know, it, it's tough to have a bearer stand where it is a seasonal period in which you'd expect, um, you know, investing to start to pick up in that November, um, um, you know, to, to April period. But, you know, I, you would think statistically we get some kind of pullback at some juncture, and it, it may not take that much uh to to push things uh to you know take for the wheels to come off a little bit
0: yeah i mean i was uh, i mean th- that whole thing in september it seemed like everybody was calling for a correction in september and then you see this market start to weaken everyone's talking about how bad september is usually for for a month and we basically hit five percent i think almost exactly right yeah. it was something like 5.1 or or something uh, on the downside and then october started and it was almost like okay that's over um,
1: Which is crazy, just... right? Because October was supposed to be um, one of the one of is historically seasonally uh, one of the worst months for um, for equity markets. Um, so it certainly is. You know, And I'm sure. Again, I, I admit, from a bearish standpoint, things haven't fallen always to pattern. So that's also why I think you know, you know, things could fall uh, um, fall out of debt too
0: yeah i mean and, and and I look at it and one of the it, it seems like i mean and this, I guess another reason for my own bullishness is I see these drops start to happen and you know we had this period where it seems like any stock that had exposure to the u s economy was just falling, and that the average stock in the s and p five hundred had corrected, but you had the fangs do so well and those kind of tech stocks do so well that it 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 really buoyed the market and then The the things get weak but then other stuff lift the market i think last week we had you know the market was down but it wasn't as down as much as it could be and materials did quite well um and so i just look at these kind of rotations and i have a hard time being scared when people are always finding something else to buy they're always finding something that's worth putting their money
1: into and and i totally get it that's the bull case right um from from a bear standpoint though you know you can only you know, you can only do that rotation so often until things start to universally inflate. And you know, uh, like we talked about earlier, that small caps piece that um, uh, you know I think uh, you know we had in, in, in Barron's earlier was 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 sort of point and parcel of that. You know, markets are starting to have rotated rotated back in and out of of, of, of the Russell two thousand. Um, and some other bench and uh, some other funds that uh, are tied to that, but you know it, things get inflated. Every you know, all things will get inflated at some point. You, you're you're going to have a tough time finding um, opportunities until something goes down. That's the whole notion of a correction. You know, you have to have uh, markets start to give back, and and people will at some juncture want to want to take profits or at least get a little a little bit lighter in this market because um, you know there's there's a number of strategists out there that are saying that, you know, we've had to up we're, we're, you know, double digit percentages as, as we just talked about at the top of the show. Um, and, and you can't really expect that to be the case in 22, 23 um, because how much further can you go? How much more are you willing to? <laughs> Those are key?
0: famous last words, Mark.
1: <laughs> yeah, f- fair enough. I, I mean, that, that's, that, 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 that is true. And, and that's, you know, a lot of, Theirs have been buried by the fact that markets continue to rally despite the logic, um, and, and certainly that's that's uh, you know we've got more retail investors, you got you got um, meme investors uh, supporting um, the markets now, <laughs> and, and crypto is starting to creep in. So yeah, I get it, it.
0: One of the things that uh, you know when I take uh, when I take a step back, I'm often looking at you know is the next move. up or down is kind of the way I like to think about things. But when I do take that big step back, one of the things that strikes me, I I read this from Richard Bernstein advisors. They uh, put out a note where they basically said that we're in a bubble. Um, And it's not because of valuations or anything like that is that they have this worry that uh, when, when speculation spreads from wall street to main street, that's when you need to start worrying. And you mentioned crypto, but it kind of feels like that's what's happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, speculative fervors uh, and bubbles can last for longer than you can stay liquid. I mean, the, uh, the uh, Wall Street adage. I mean, and I think definitely we're seeing that, that as a function of, of the TINA trade as well. Um, obviously, people see a lot of opportunities in crypto and blockchain. Um, and and uh, from an innovative standpoint, uh, I, I, I don't disagree with them it just comes down to how much are you willing to pay and will you be left holding the bag um, at the end of the day which is really the question about all of this no. um it's not to say your trade is right or wrong it's really about uh about timing this um to some extent because um you know uh, people who probably feel the most pain is, is long-term mm-hmm. investors and retirees are about to uh, looking to exit um, out of the market, or, or those people looking to, you know. Actually, on the flip side, you know, one of the benefits of 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 a of a of a big correction or downturn is actually having uh, markets discounted at some points. You can you can have a lower entry point. But anyway, back to the the notion of speculation. We're we're, we're seeing people um, look at other investors look at um, big r- ups in in crazy cryptos like Shiba Inu, which you know, is, is up like 4 million percentage, you know, um, you know, 4 million percent over the past, you know, seven or eight months. I, I think by some measures, someone, I, I saw a report saying it was up 10 million percent. Um, so, you know, people look at that and they I don't even you know, know what that they, means. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, where, where's mine? You know, there's, there's jealousy creeps in, the fear of missing out. Um, and so, you know, that speculation feeds feeds on itself.
0: Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing that does frighten me. And I was kind of relieved because I think about that period of the dot com bubble and just how painful it was for everybody who was saying this is a bubble and these stocks are too expensive and stocks, as you point out, can stay too expensive for a very long time. But what gave me co- some comfort was seeing a report that said, you know, if you had moved out of those sectors and into things that were had been left behind, like small caps, like banks and you, know, you went two years past the bottom um, after the pop happened, you did just fine, you actually outperformed. Um, and, and so there is an argument to be made that you could start shifting out of some of the really bubbly areas uh, to, to prepare for a pop, even if the pop is still a ways off. Um, so Mark, we're running out of time here. Um, I'd like to get some listener questions. Um, the first is um, from Mark. And the question is, how do you see commodity stocks Changing with higher inflation present. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I mean, we're seeing um, you know commodities certainly get a get a run up here. Um, Though some some are coming off the boil, Ener- energy is has helped uh, a lot of the uh, uh, energy producers, oil producers, um, and we're up near eighty. Who would have thunk it on on WTI, <laughs> West Texas Intermediate? Um, Wasn't it negative at one point uh, just a little while ago? April of 2020, mm-hmm. um, we had a, we had the first negative print ever, um, and obviously that was you know the idiosyncrasies uh, of of you know futures markets and and weirdness in in a in a fund in an ETF. But um, but you know we're we're getting a nice run up in a lot of commodities because I'm um, including natural gas. Um, even some green energy is, is getting a nice run up too. So, you know, we've got the infrastructure spending bill, which is, is likely to be signed today. If, you know, I, I, I forget what the timing is, but I know that that's, that's it has been a big focus of, of market participants, you know, infrastructure week. So um, that, that, is a, that, that, that has helped both, you know, traditional commodities as, as well as some of the green energy um, uh, initiative commodities. So it, it is a nice period if if that's the way you want to go and i would think um you know it seems people have made the argument that the government is picking winners um in terms of uh you know solar energy and and electric vehicles um so maybe you know one one would be justified in trying to ride that wave as, as well as um gas and 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 oil which uh fossil fuels are down but you know, they don't seem to be going away anytime
0: soon. You could make the, the argument that uh, fossil fuels are, uh, have been made a winner by the government as well with uh, right. all this pressure not to drill. You end up with uh, some shortages that help prices come up. Um, so uh, Anthony has a question, too. Um, he's asking, can bubbles really pop when interest rates remain low indefinitely?
1: I mean, that's a great point, too, which is, again, while we were talking about Tina earlier, um, we've got the interest rates at a really low level. But here's the thing, (laughs) the Fed is worried about inflation. And if they have to move quicker on inflation, if we, in fact, are not at peak inflation, or if inflation um, continues to be as as persistent and nagging, um, you know, and and as pernicious as as we can, fear it could be, then interest rates aren't going to be as low as you'd like them to be. And the markets may not respond well to that, um, at least on the, on, the, on the you know near to midterm. So yeah. I would look out for that.
0: Yeah, and I think what's going to be interesting is also watching um, real rates because they were still deeply negative, I believe. Um, when you look at the rates relative to inflation and when that turns positive, that's when I'm going to get very frightened.
1: And, and real rates have helped to prop up. um yeah. Not just uh, cryptos like Bitcoin, but also gold. Um, uh, you know, is, you know, on the one hand, uh, those assets don't necessarily benefit when yields start to move up because you can just buy you know Treasuries. Um, but it, it, there, there is some concern that, that we're, we're going to have some mis- missteps, and um, that, that both of those are looked at as, as as hedges.
0: And I think we have time for one more question. This one's from Bill, and he asks, "What are the best bond alternatives?"
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we know some of the obvious ones: real estate, um, energy is a good one. Anything that really is going to give you um, a nice yield, um, real estate investment trusts um, have been good. You just have to be, you know, selective about that and talk to your advisor, obviously. And um, uh, and we've got there's a bunch of uh, of bond funds out there, Um, some some and a growing crop of actively managed bond funds. Um, that have been touted as as good bond proxies. Um, you have to explore uh, the use cases for each one, but those have definitely uh, been used as as, as alternatives to, to buying treasuries. Yeah,
0: and uh, Lauren Strauss, uh, Barron's um, income reporter, uh, had a column this weekend about dividend growers, that they actually hold up fairly well under periods of, um, of inflation, just because those dividends grow fast enough usually to keep up with the uh, uh, with the rising prices, um, so that's another area that might be worth taking a look at. Well, um, first of all, this has been this has been a great discussion, Mark. Um, we'd like everyone's uh, feedback on uh, today's episode. Uh, please take two, mil- two minutes to complete a short survey that Crystal our Producer um, has inserted the link to in um, in the ch- in the chat. And so. Um, if you can, uh, it'll be in the post webinar email if you can fill that out. Um, and then please join us tomorrow for tomorrow's episode. Uh, it's preparing for student loan payments to resume in February. This is with Jillian Berman, reporter of Market Watch, and Beverly Goodman, the editorial director of Barron's. Um, and they're going to discuss the challenges the system may face moving millions of borrowers back into repayment and some tips for borrowers preparing for that first bill. Mark, thank you so much for being here. And everyone, Thank you so much for listening. Stay well and have a nice day. The energy transition is a long and winding road,
1: and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.